is episode 31 of the Kingdom of Satan. So the person whose voice you just heard is Savannah Van Hees. She is um, actually the producer, and we're sitting here in the Wallace residence in Spencer, Iowa. Kind of somewhat of a, I, I guess you could call this a live recording. Is that what we're calling this? I'm, I'm, it is live, I suppose. So, and I, I'm not sure if it's alive, but there's... <laughs> <laughs> it's something. Yeah, it's something, all right. So you're going to hear probably some background noise and things like that, and that's totally fine. We're doing something a little bit different this time. This is a um, recording where we are actually doing a bit of a Q&A um, which stands for questions and answers. Maybe Q and AA, like all the answers, because we're going to give them all. Hopefully. But not all the questions. There will be some more questions later. So, uh, But I wanted to give an introduction. We wanted to give an intro to Savannah, who does everything behind the scenes. So Savannah, you do, basically, I send to you the recording, and 100% you take it from there and do everything else with it. Is that about right? That's about right. <laughs> so um, this was, just for, so everyone knows who may be listening, this was Savannah's idea. She originated the entire thing. This is her passion. This is what she wants to do. And as her pastor, at least now, um, as her pastor, <laughs> um, it's been my desire to just help her see her dreams come true and her what her passions are become reality. So... Um, that's why we're doing this. So basically, this is our first Q&A, and this is the point where we say, let's see where this goes. This is Nathan Kirk. This is Savannah Van Heeks. We have really good news. That we do. All right, Savannah. Well, we this is our Q and A session, so I'm just going to kind of turn actually turn it over to you. You are, you you own the mic right now, so you go ahead. It is all yours. Go for it. Okay, I'll be honest. It's a little intimidating, but that's all right. It's all on you to answer the questions, anyways. So. <laughs> that's true. So we're going to start with some more just about you in general, and then we'll transition into more about the podcast and ministry. So if you could just tell us just a brief overview, a little bit about you. The podcast hasn't really heard much about who you are and the person behind the voice. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yes. So who I am, um, I am a, let's see, I'm not really sure how to start. Obviously, um, I'm a, th I'm 37 years old, live in Minnesota, originally from Iowa, um, husband, uh, 15 years to my wife, Stephanie, um, father of five wonderful children, four girls and a little boy who are actually all right here right now. So we're going to hear some noises from them. I'm so sure. Um, my wife and I met in Bemidji, Minnesota, uh, where we were both going to school. Um, she went for business administration. I went and uh, for elementary education, I went for psychology, ended up getting a master's in psych and working in the field have been continue to do so a little bit today so um that's a little bit about me kind of the person who i am i'm a pastor been pastoring for about four years you could say ish four years two four years somewhere in there and uh and and really enjoyed that it's a um it's one of those things where you start to kind of realize this is what i was you know what you're put here to do so it, it, it starts to click right away so yeah it was really good it's been really great uh, it's been a challenge, especially you kind of get started in patching and then COVID and everything like that kind of comes along. But um, it's been really great just to see how God 
kind of orchestrates and aligns things together and then how he ultimately has control. So um, a little bit about me is I, I like to have control and know where things are going. So this has been like a wild ride and, and it's been neat to see what God's been doing in it. So, yeah. So when you're not doing those things, when you're not working in psychology field, when you're not pastoring, what are some of your hobbies? Hobbies. Well, um, I don't know. I'd say I really, you know, this is kind of a typical answer, but I'm an outdoors, outdoors enthusiast. So I love to spend time outside. Um, I like to go do some hunting, fishing, things like that. I like working in the outdoors. I think it's probably somewhat of my roots, but also because I spend a lot of time inside doing things, you know, either at a desk or at a table across from people and things like that. So um, it's nice to kind of like work, just work outdoors and, and do things like that with my hands. Um, additionally, one thing I've really found that I enjoy in the last few years is disc golf. And I'm not I'll just plug that a little bit. It's 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 a ton of fun. Frolf. No, that I don't think that is an active term in the community. Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Um, but it's a really big growing sport, and it's a lot of fun. And actually, one of the interesting things is, as you're going, like just like with anything in life, like I've gotten a couple of Bible studies out of disc golf, just because you meet up with people and and you're talking throughout the course, and and you know you're you're doing what you do, and you're normal day and of course God's going to interject in the conversation and so we bring things up and it, it's very natural so and plus the other thing I really like about it is um, you can be considered an athlete without having to run <laughs> yeah. sure. no really like it, you know it's like an athletic event but there's no running so I really appreciate that best kind of sport yeah exactly yeah next question is could you tell us your favorite joke a favorite joke? Yes. <laughs> um, I really don't know if I have. I I don't tell a lot of jokes. I'm just a really funny person. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't really. There's not really like a go-to that I have. I well, okay. So there's like um, one that I can think of. I guess would be like, what do you call um, a deer that can't see? I don't know. No idea. <laughs> or what do you call a deer that can't move and um and can't see still no idea okay. yeah okay. yeah i could keep going with those but for the sake of our listener yeah. <laughs> singular the, the, one, the yeah. one person listening yeah which is right going to be one of us when we listen back to it yeah, yeah. yeah. when okay. i'm editing it'll yeah that. yeah yeah at what point do you feel your best <laughs> You're gonna ask that question. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I gotta be honest. Like the truest answer to this question. This is gonna sound so bad, but the truest answer to this question. When I have felt my best, when I know you feel your best, you know, because you can feel good and you're like things are fine, but it doesn't really register. You're just kind of going through your day and everything's fine. But when you truly, I think this is true for every person. When you truly feel your best, is when you when you just get done throwing up <laughs> like <Why is> that? <laughs> because because you have felt you have felt so bad for so long and if I, like this is gonna be way too much information but like um for me like I try and put that off like and I, and I know I need to I'm sick you know I know I need to like a, a couple of years ago a couple of times I had food poisoning really bad and it was horrible 
and I, you know what you have to do. It's like you know what you need to do, but you just like me. I'm just like I'm not going to do it. But the moment that you do, you just you feel so much better. So I'll I'll pivot that to use that as like an analogy. Okay. Like after you've gone through something really terrible, <laughs> let's just say that, and it's over, right? Like after you've been through something that's really really rough. Um, I won't get too serious, but maybe a little serious. Like after, for anybody that's going through or that's been through really bad seasons, right? If you've ever been through a terrible season in your life and it's and you feel like pressure building and it's leading to a point or just something that you know is going to be real it's going to take everything that you've got you know and like the whole time you're asking god please rescue me like you know the whole time you're like you're sick and you're like please just let me fall asleep and wake up and feel better <laughs> and the lord's like no you're going to go through it like mm-hmm. you have to go through this gut wrenching thing mm-hmm. like that happens in life a, like a ton so wait, like way more often than what we want to. But when you kind of realize, like when you go through some of the hardest, worst seasons in your life, and it's the darkest that it's ever been, the, the moment that the sun starts to shine, right? The moment that it, it takes that turn and you're through it and it's over. Even if the outcomes aren't desirable, at least the season is over. You can breathe and you can say, okay, you know what? I made it through. And so... Like on a literal sense, like yes, that's when I literally feel the best. At my best is when I'm I'm done being sick. Like yeah, I'm still I still got some after effects, but yeah, I feel so much better. But like no, in this in a figurative sense, but also a very real sense. Like when you go through some of the hardest things that you don't want to go through, and you basically ask God to deliver you from. Like don't don't put me through this. Don't put please please don't put me through this. I don't want to face this. And he says, no, I, I actually need you to go through it, and I trust you to go through it. Once you make it through, even if there's stuff that you still have to deal with, um, there's just this sense of, I don't know if it's relief and accomplishment, achievement, the sense of strength that's not your own, that you, you realize you were relying on God's strength the entire time. Um, and it just becomes very, very real and very tangible almost in that sense. So there you go. That's a good answer. Thank you. We're going to start a little bit of the transition from those questions. So with this podcast, you could have created it on any topic. You could have picked whatever you wanted to to talk about on the podcast. Why did you pick the topic or the subject of the kingdom of God and that the kingdom is here? Yeah, so uh, I think the main reason why is because I'll maybe back up and give the listeners a little context when asked to do a podcast, I don't really, I don't have that technical sense about me. I kind of just stumble through things and, and I, part of me wants to be really technical, right? Like, and get it down and have a script to follow and sound really crisp and everything like that. I don't have that though. I just kind of, that's kind of like what I do with everything in life, which is unfortunate. Like, <laughs> it's not how I want to be. Like, I, my desire to be more put together, but like, and I try to put that, you know, it'd be as put together as I can, but Sometimes you just, you know, you just realize I'm just going to fall forward and stumble through this and, and get through it. So, so with that, like in ministry, um, one of the challenges is, okay, if we're going to do a podcast, I want it to be fresh. I want it to be um, really technically proficient, which I don't have. So then I have to have somebody work <laughs> on it <laughs> and make and take all the rough edges off. <laughs> um, but then the other aspect would be... Um, like, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? I mean, it has to be a subject that's 
um, number one, relevant. Number two, it has to be something that doesn't just kind of run out after two weeks and now, okay, well now what? You know, so what's kind of a re recurring theme that we can continue to fall back on? So the, the good news <laughs> that there is is that I don't really rely on my own intellect for that because I'm not that put together and polished. I just look to Scripture and say, okay, well, what's the recurring theme in Scripture that we see over and over and over again? And I kind of let that do the talking for me, right? Like, so in Scripture references, especially in the Gospels, Jesus, on every page of your Bible in the Gospels, nearly every page of your Bible, there's a reference to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So if Jesus is talking about that a lot, there's probably a lot of content <laughs> that we can draw from. Yeah. It's not just drawing content for the sake of content, but right. it's like it's pretty deep, you know, and it runs pretty. And, and obviously it goes, it, it obviously precedes the Gospels and it goes beyond the, the Gospels. The kingdom of God is like throughout the, it's a thread that runs throughout the entire scriptures. So that's the setting for the kingdom. That's the basis for that. And then why it's here now is because I think sometimes as Christians, and this is where, I wanted this to be applicable and the whole notion of hoping that this is helpful. Like, okay, mm -hmm. how is this helpful for me now rather than just waiting for the kingdom to come like, oh, I'm going to make it to heaven. Well, that's not really how it works if you look at scripture and as believers is that the kingdom, you know, when Jesus says the kingdom is within you, it's, it's here and it's now because we need help now. I don't need just help for something to believe down the road. I, you know, as believers, we need help now. We need something to really to hold on to now and that'll that'll come a little bit deeper in our personal lives and be immediately applicable so that's why that's why the subject so the kingdom of god that's pretty uh prevalent throughout scriptures and and also the fact that okay i need something now so if we can i think if, if we as believers can understand how the kingdom of god works in our lives in the here and the now a lot of the stuff that we deal with and as a pastor this is one of the things i see like a lot of stuff that we deal with is so um, contextual with our current world that we live in, right? The spirit of our times. Mm -hmm. But if we can maybe separate from that and realize that we're not slaves to the spirit of our times, we're not we're not bound to the kingdoms of this world. Um, we're actually free from the kingdoms of this world. It actually frees us up as believers to spread to live in the kingdom of God and actually have fullness and fruitfulness in the kingdom. Um, and then to spread that as well. So, yeah, that's why. That's where that, that's where that originated from. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> so taking a step back, what have been some defining moments of living your life in the kingdom of God? Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. So this is kind of, what, again, one of those things where I, I don't know if there are specific moments that I can absolutely point to and say, this was the time. There are some of those where mm -hmm. I can say this is like there were these big moments. But mm -hmm. part of it has honestly just been the, the like when you look back and you see the progress, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so if you're ever working on a project and there are, and it's, if you're working on a painting, let's say, or you're building a house, there's not like one board that you put in where you're like, that was the one. Like, yeah. but when you look back and you see the brush strokes collectively together or you see you know the project collectively put together then you when you start to look back and see the progress and you realize how far you've made it you go wow this is this is really advancing really well so there were moments in life like that where I was I've been able to look back and to say um, wow this is advancing really well and I, and I had nothing to do with it like mm -hmm. I'm not smart enough I'm not clever enough I'm not talented 
it, it has nothing to do with my abilities. I don't come from a great family that has me set up in this, you know, to push me in that direction. Um, I don't know people in high places or anything like that. It was clearly like you look back and you see it's clearly the hand of God on your life. And, you know, people can point to a number, any number of things like, oh, he must be referring to the fact that he's a pastor or he must be referring to the fact that, you know, I'm a father or a husband. Like that, those must be the things. And it's like, well, yeah, that's part of it. But part of it is also the fact that, like, just personally, like I look at my family history. I come from a, a rich, deep family of um, alcoholics, you know, like that, that struggle with with alcohol, struggle with relationships, struggle with um, drugs in some regards. I'm not putting anyone in my family down, and, and I pray for them often. And I believe in, and some of them are really, really stepping out of it and realizing how important it is to step out of it. But when you come from a family and history like that, and you realize that that is basically your future being written for you, and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And people can turn to any number of things to try to get out of it. And when I just, at, in an age, just decided I got to turn to God to get out of it. Like, there's no way that I'm, like I said, I'm not clever enough, smart enough, talented. Like, I have no reason, no ability on my own to step out of this. And the resources that I need, I don't even know what they would be to help me. So Jesus, I'm choosing you and your kingdom. You've got to help me to not to not get into that or to at least to have a hope for my life. So I think that was really the major thing is is some of the major things I look back on is any point where I said I need to have hope or you need to have some kind of direction and we don't know where to, where to go. Um, there's one who does know where to go. He's the author, the finisher of our faith. He's the one that has created, he's, he's the, the king, right? So the king of the kingdom, he's like, well, I can tell you where to go and I know where you fit as well because I, I made you and I know what you're made for. I know what you're designed for. So with I think with that in mind, those are collectively like a series of those moments in my life that I look back and seen how the kingdom has been so impactful. Mm -hmm. Is that did I get there? Okay, is that helpful? Okay, <laughs> helpful. okay, good. So you mentioned a little bit growing up, and and your life. So growing up, you grew up here in Spencer, where mm. we are right now. It's mm -hmm. a smaller town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've grown up in the cities my whole life, so to me, this is like a small town. But now you pastor in the Twin Cities area in Minnesota. So how do you think setting, you go from a, a small town to the Twin Cities area, how do you think setting affects people's view of the kingdom of God? Wow, that's a really good question. I wish I would have had that one in advance so I could be <laughs> polished. And So I'm going to stumble through this. Buckle up, everybody. No. <laughs> um, oh, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, this is helpful. Um, that's a great question. Uh I wish there was a great answer. No, um, I think so. May it it really kind of it's situationally dependent, but I would say this for I'll just speak for myself maybe in this regard. Like part of it is um, how we view maybe the the resources around us and and what we determine. I guess what we have determined within ourselves, what we rely on, and what we want to see take place in our own lives. So what I mean by that is, um, here for an example, I really love small towns. Like mm -hmm. I really, that's like every time I drive through a small town, my heart just goes, it hurts because I love <laughs> it so much. So living in the city, I really don't like living in the city. Like I just, I'm not a city person. Mm -hmm. Like if you come to our house, um, you would see this like third of an acre 
with over a dozen fruit trees and a big garden and chickens and we we had a tractor for some reason i don't know but like <laughs> like i'm doing everything i can meant to be yeah right city. right yeah the tractor's totally not and it was like way too big of a tractor anyway to even be in the city so it's just ridiculous um so all those things together like i think in a lot of this it just speaks to the longing in our hearts to see something fulfilling in our lives so I'll, I'll put it like this. The Lord has taken us out of a smaller town um, and into the city because for us personally, and I always wondered why, and, and in asking him, like that's the cool thing. You can ask God questions mm-hmm. and he will answer you. You might not always like the answer that you get, so right. be prepared. Like when you get an answer, or if you ask a question, be prepared to get an answer. And if it's not something you don't like, it's like, well, too bad. You know, that's like, still the answer. Still the answer, yeah, yeah. So, um, I said, "Well, Lord, why are we in the city?" You know, I I love the small town, small country so much. And he and he said, in in so many ways, he said, "Well, that's why." So you don't fixate on the kingdoms of this world. So you don't get comfortable of the even the the neutral things like farm country. That's not. There's not. It's not like oh, it's so toxic because it's farm country. Like it's so bad. No, it's like it's actually really wholesome. But a person can also get really comfortable in the comforts of this world and miss the bigger picture. And so what I just realized for myself personally is God had to take us take me out of the country into the city to work those to work the, the necessity of comfort out of me. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably that's probably the main part of the answer to that question. That God in his kingdom places us in places some some in some ways to work out the necessity of comfort and in doing so what he also does is re- reveals in us his passion his desire to see his kingdom come to see a harvest take place and so because i'm not comfortable where i'm at um i have to rely on something and so i choose to to rely on the kingdom that's in front of me, and then and then it's the the revelation of okay, then the harvest is everywhere, mm-hmm. and this is where everything that you think is so fulfilling in one setting, it's actually meant to be found in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and you can find that if you'll create it here. So the analogy I would use is like a farmer in this country would prepare the soil, they'd get the rocks out, they'd till it, you know, they put a plow through it, they'd get the weeds out and everything like that. Well, that's the work that we're doing in the kingdom, mm-hmm. so. So all that to say, I mean, the setting is really, the kingdom of God is everywhere. It's within you. So you take the kingdom wherever you go. And, and so that, I, I suppose that's more or less the roundabout way to getting to the answer to that question. I almost forgot what the, what the question was. It was a good one. It was so good that I forgot. So does that, does that kind of get to it? Yes, okay. I think so. All right. At what moment in your life did you realize that ministry was the thing for you? It was the thing to do. And not and and it was a thing for full time. You're a full time pastor, so ministry was a thing. And and then from that, why a pastor if you're going to do ministry? Mm. That's wow. These are really good questions. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'll I'll maybe answer that in, in two stages. Why a pastor, and then why ministry? Ministry full time. Mm-hmm. So why a pastor? Basically, how that came about was actually because of a need that was that existed. There was a need in a church that I was a part of where the pastor had resigned and moved away. 
um, and I had just gotten my minister's license. And and in reality, if you're if someone's listening to this and they don't have their license and you're thinking about it, like don't take the path. This is such bad advice. Like don't do what I did to get where I got. Like <laughs> um, no, but like I got my license because there was a position that needed in our district, in our section really, that needed a license to, to have that position. And and there were no people available. And I was already kind of moving in, in ministry anyway, like teaching and, and preaching and doing some Bible studies and, you know, being involved in the local church. So I wore a lot of hats at the local church anyway. So it kind of made sense to trend in that direction. But the pastor of the church that I was at had resigned and basically said, hey, you're kind of, quote unquote, in charge or you're looking over things until you find another pastor. And so I didn't, I was 22 at the time. And so I didn't really know what to do with that. Like I was I was kind of in my own little world. Like I had just gotten married and I was like, well, what, okay, I'll, does that just mean getting somebody to sing and getting someone to play for the piano and, and, and then preach? Like, okay, if that's what it is. But then the Lord started to reveal the need. So mm-hmm. why pastoring is because that's, the, that's the need that I saw. I, I'm really a big fan of that notion. Like if there's some, you, if there's something that you see the need for, that means it resonates with you, mm-hmm. you know? Five different people can go to church and five different people can see five different needs. Well, the reason they all see those needs is because those needs resonate with them. And it's like, which one is right? Yes. <laughs> yes, they're all right. Because that's the way, I just believe that's the way God has created them and fashioned them to see those needs. Mm-hmm. So at, even at that age that I was, I saw the need of people needing to be shepherded or needed to be helped. They they need they need someone to go to them and to visit them and to help them in their in their time of need and to you know really just be there for them. And I think ultimately that led to pastoring, shepherding. You know that's kind of where that led. Um, it, and so it continued as as ministry kind of progressed has progressed for me. It's continued. Now we get into full time ministry. That's a two edged sword because number one, when I got into then I got into ministry, I thought, well, that's where I need to go. I need to strive for full time ministry. And the Lord was like, nope, you don't. <laughs> you just need to strive to make me happy. Like, yeah. oh, okay. That's so I think there's that maybe I don't know if it's a myth or whatever it is that needs that would need to be dispelled. I it had to be dispelled in my own life. And it had to be for me more than just somebody telling me that I had to know it deep down inside of me. Like, who cares about full time? Mm-hmm. You know, full time if you're not doing it already, you're never going to get to full time. If you're not, you know, if you're not teaching Bible studies or pastoring or leading people or reaching people and gathering them or whatever it is, whatever that that is, if you're not doing it already, you can forget the whole notion of full like full time. What are you talking about? You don't even do it part time. You don't even do it like anyway. So, right. I'm not saying you. <laughs> Just to be clear. Um, so, yeah, so that was part of that whole thing, like uh, the Lord just kind of building that, taking that out of me, like the necessity of that. Mm-hmm. But then when the opportunity came to be full-time, that was in a season where I had a, I had a really good career. And I actually, right when the offer of being full-time came to me, I was, it was so, so humbling like that anyone would consider me worthy, number one, to, to lead. And number two, that they'd be willing to pay me as a job to do it. Like it just didn't seem, it didn't resonate. Like Mm -hmm. I don't understand how this makes sense. And and it's so hard because the notion of these people are going to work every day, working themselves so hard 
so that they and then they pay tithes on that work that they're doing so that I can do what pray <laughs> you know or study or teach bible studies and do what I love and do what I'm passionate about it just it, it's very very humbling and it's very hard to do anyway I also had the conflict that I had a very good career and at the time that I got offered um, a position into full-time ministry um, I was also offered to take over a company I don't know if I ever told you this I don't think so oh okay yeah so I was offered to take over a company and to be to be in a transitionary period to own that company over wow. the course of like three to five years and the amount I, th this isn't like being I'm not bragging it's mm -hmm. just like it's just kind of the way that the world works the way that life works in the way that the kingdom works like the amount of money that was being offered to me at the time was ridiculous I mean ridiculous <laughs> I, it was so it was so ludicrous that it's one of those situations where I would almost felt uncomfortable with that just because of how much it was mm. so um, those two dynamics kind of just faced each other and at that it was that moment to say okay well what are you gonna do with that what do you really want to do do you want to build your own kingdom or and and would God have blessed that I I kind of doubt it <laughs> like because mm -hmm. then you're running right you're running from right. what he's calling you to do and there's this notion like well I can do both it's like well you you can you can do both poorly mm -hmm. or you can do choose to do one thing and do it really really well okay. now I say that to say the offer was the offer to pastor in the ministry full-time was made to me because I was already doing that I was already putting in probably close to 40 plus hours a week probably more yeah more than 40 hours a week ministering pastoring and so on and so forth so um it wasn't like this thing where i was just like reserving the best until the offer was made mm -hmm. and i think for anybody that's interested in ministry that's a really important notion that um it's something from the old testament and it's carried over into the new testament um with with moses when the elders were chosen from uh from israel to help moses kind of guide the people and rule over the people it's it's uh the the scripture says to choose elders from among you who you know to be elders so they they already are that way you know it's not like once you get a position now you become that you people you already know or like when there was that dispute in acts about serving you know the apostles and serving tables and things like that um, and they said, well, choose people that are full of the Holy Ghost and that are, that have wisdom, that have, that have these characteristics already built in, mm -hmm. that they're already doing it. You know, they're already in motion, they're already doing it. Right. So it, that was an easy decision to make because it was really, really putting it down and saying, okay, do I want to follow my kingdom? And it's like, it, when you look back and you say, okay, well, my kingdom isn't very good. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's that whole perspective. Like when you look yeah. back and you see god's hand in your life and you realize you didn't have anything to do with it that is now a good time for me to take over <laughs> like is now oh now i can do this like the lord set it up for me to take over <laughs> no <laughs> right or is it do you just continue to trust god so that was a that was a um yeah that's how that happened and, and i've been i think full-time now for about about four years and um it's been really it, it's every day is humbling it's a challenge mm -hmm. because there are no built-in systems that say this is what you must do every single day. Um, but being fairly driven, and that's a big thing too. You, I mean, being self-driven 
is hugely important. And if you're not self-driven, then you have to find somebody to hold you accountable and, and be willing to be held accountable mm-hmm. to, to drive you instead. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's that. That's where that went. That's good. So when you became the pastor of Greater Life, you, which is where you're pastoring now, um, Can't confirm. <laughs> you were the youngest pastor in our district. Was, was oh. there anything different about that, or what was that like? I was the youngest, eh? I suppose. Yeah. Um, so was it different? I'll, well, I'll say this. I don't think this would be considered offensive or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Although, who knows? Everything's offensive today. <laughs> well, <laughs> well um, we'll find out how many people. Yeah, yeah, next yeah, week. yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the three people that are listening, <laughs> was this offensive? Um, it was, maybe it's more just my own inference rather than anything else, mm-hmm. is feeling like, because I'm, I was so young and still considerably am comparatively, I guess, um, younger. It's this, this idea that people aren't going to take you seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even, not even just like the people in the church. I mean, they voted, but you know, maybe they didn't know what they were getting into or something. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but no, they probably didn't actually. <laughs> Definitely didn't. Definitely didn't. But anyway, um, but if, you know, are they going to take it seriously or is this kind of like a, like a, something where they say, well, that's nice or, or mm-hmm. he'll figure it out. That's one of the things I've heard ever since, ever since forever. Mm-hmm. I've heard like since I got married and then when I had kids and, and the more kids I've had <laughs> <laughs> and in pastoring and ministry, people, I often hear from people that are maybe a stage or two farther along than I am. Oh, you'll, you'll figure it out or you'll see how it is. Even when I'm and, and to me, that's been a little, I don't know, upsetting like when I talk about this is the way things are going to be within our marriage in, in a very healthy way, not in a like this overly dominant way, but like in a really healthy way, like this is the way things are going to work in our marriage between Stephanie and I. People say, oh, oh, you'll you'll see, you'll figure it out. It's like, no, no, I won't. Like, no, this is the way it's going to be. Or in raising children, having well-behaved, intelligent children that are also godly mm-hmm. and not homely because <laughs> <laughs> that can happen. It's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should say that, but we'll edit that out. No, we won't. Um, people say, "Oh, you'll 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 see, you'll figure it out." You know, you, your kids in this and that. So ministry is the same way. Like having big, you know, being younger. Um, when Scripture says that the the old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions, <clears throat> the way that I look at that is that the the older generations have the dream, the big picture. The dream is the big picture. You know, that's the dream that you you wake up from a dream. And you're like, "Whoa, this is." That is really a wild dream, mm-hmm. but the vision is the steps on how the steps you take to get there. And so when I when I first started pastoring, um, I actually reached out to a, another former pastor, an, an elder former pastor, and just asked him about some of his dreams. What are your dreams mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities? What were some of your dreams for um, churches in the Twin Cities? And he was a visionary back you know back in the day, whatever that means. Like he was he was a visionary, and so. And so he started to tell me his dreams, and then it was one of these things where I just felt like a mantle had been placed on me to mm-hmm. take that and say, okay, now I'm going to have the vision for it. The whole point of saying that is is that as a younger pastor, you know, and, and for younger ministers, and so I would speak to maybe those that are a little bit older to say, you know, when, when younger pastors or ministers are, are trying to minister and, and feel like they're really trying to advance the will of God in their lives – 
to not look at it as maybe their flight of fancy, like, oh, they'll get over this, mm -hmm. but actually to believe in them and to propel them and to push them and say, how can we make you succeed? How can we help you succeed? Because of the, if, if their vision and what they want is, is if you hear it and you say, well, that's pretty out there. That's, that's, that's kind of, well, what if, what if you actually help them fulfill it? Like, what if you actually invest in it and actually help them to see it come to pass? I mean, I think that would, it could be revolutionary. I mean, it could be huge. Mm -hmm. So instead of, so I, I carried a little bit of that. I don't want to say it was definitely not like a chip on the shoulder or anything like that because uh, I'm really, really humble. So, um, <laughs> no, but it wasn't anything like that. But it was just this notion of I, I really didn't feel like sometimes that I, I would be taken seriously. So mm -hmm. I had to kind of work on that. And also come in with this idea that I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I still don't imagine that. Um, and so, and so with that idea of I of not knowing everything, um, but also being really careful not to. This is this might sound ungrateful, but also being really careful to take um, advice and guidance from people that either haven't done it or seen it themselves or that don't are, aren't willing to come along for the ride and help you out with the consequences mm -hmm. right so like everybody's good at giving advice everybody can give advice but few people will hang around for the fallout mm -hmm. or few people will help you see it through or you know some people that have never done anything Lots of people that have never done anything are really good at giving advice, you know, like yeah. like people that have never had kids are really good at giving advice about raising children, right? Or people that have never um, pastored or have never, I I should be careful, but like, yeah. but it's just, yeah, we're just talking. So people that have never pastored successfully, mm -hmm. <laughs> you could, I mean, you could pastor a church, but not be successful, right? And And I'm not trying to be judgmental, but people that have never maybe done the things that they're giving advice about. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to be careful with that. So <clears throat> a lot of that was just kind of discerning um, voices to hear and also what we're trying to project. Um, but in a lot of that, it was mainly just, it, what it really came down to is mainly just, you know what, I'm not here for the rest of the district. I'm not here to, to help anybody with their perspectives, or their viewpoints. I just have to pastor this church and kind of mm -hmm. prove myself to the people that I'm pastoring and also to God. So. Mm -hmm. That's good. So, growing up in your journey to being where you are right now, who are three people who, if you could just pick three, I'm sure there's more than that, but if you could pick three people who have impacted you and how they've impacted you. Wow. Only three. If you could. <laughs> if I could. Well, I can't. All right, next question. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh, we got to stick with that one? Yes. All right. Um, well, they don't have to be the people who've impacted you the most. Just, oh, okay. We're not going to clarify that. Okay. <laughs> Three people have impacted. Like, you. if there was a saint in the church that really impacted me. Any any three people who come to mind in a negative way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still an impact. <laughs> still an impact. Um, I'm going to pair a couple of people together, if that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> like, well, if it's not too bad. Um, <laughs> I almost want to pair like actually have three people together, but um, where I'm at right now in uh, Brad Wallace's house, him and his father-in-law, Dale Hodges, the two of them have made a huge impact on my life. And it's not just because 
I'm not saying that just because I'm here, like sitting here. Mm-hmm. Although that is a that's kind of like an example of how, like, even these years later, almost 20 years after I've moved away, we're still connected. Um, I have a I have something in my Bible um, that I carry around with every single day. That's a note from Pastor Hodges that um, he gave me a long time ago that I've just kept, and it's my main bookmark that I use for when I'm preaching or when I'm reading. It doesn't really matter. Like, and it's got his fingerprints all over it, you know. So their guidance, their instruction, their example that they give of being good, godly Christian men and leaders has been really, really impactful in my life. The consistency and their faithfulness, right? Like, um, never hearing them complain or say anything bad about people. That's that's huge. Um, another person that's been a really big impact on my life that most people probably don't know about, um, but we know at Greater Life because he's been a good close friend. His, his name is Doug Inger, mm-hmm. and he's um, a pastor down here in Iowa as well. And he's just been a really good sounding board and guide that I can just talk to and and speak to and just and it has some in, good insights and things mm-hmm. like that. Spiritual spiritual godly man as well. So that's that's really important too. Mm-hmm. Um, these are these are all godly men in my life that I think are really important. Um, and then I, I will say this: this this is going to throw a curveball in there, but I'll also say my wife. She is. I, I mean, it's like well, duh. It's like well, no. It's not altogether obvious if you don't actually come out and say it. Mm-hmm. Like having a spouse that isn't just in the on the sideline taking care of the kids while I operate and function as a pastor, as a minister, having somebody that's by my side and, and, and by hers, like we're side by side and we're together. Mm-hmm. You know, scripture says in, in Amos, I think it says that if any, you can't go, any two can't go together unless they're walking hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I couldn't go anywhere unless she was hand in hand with me and we were walking together. And we had the same vision, not like I'm dragging her along saying, come on, let's go. Or not like there are these um, competing visions of what we want to do with our family versus ministry and we're putting these in different categories that has been hugely impactful I don't think that I, I don't think that can be overstated about how important that is so yeah I could go on and on like there's a list a long list of people that have spoken into my life invested in me um, not just people that I follow and that are over me, and I don't mean this to come across the wrong way, but also people that I pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this gal in the church. She runs our social media, and she produces a podcast and everything like that. You, <laughs> Savannah, like you, you've had a you've had a very healthy and positive impact as well. So it's not just it's not just one unidirectional. It's mm-hmm. it's multidirectional. Yeah. The last question is going to be if oh good if you can <laughs> that's what the two people listening said yeah too. you're like oh finally <laughs> but if you could give one piece of advice to hopefully impact someone who's listening what would that be well just one yeah um, I think it may sound. I don't want to say it sounds cliche. Anything from scripture shouldn't ever come across as cliche, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Um, it's no coincidence that that would be the first thing that my mind goes to, and no coincidence that this is a podcast about the kingdom of God. Seek first the king, like seek His kingdom first. 
the well-being of his kingdom, the well-being of the people of his kingdom, the advancement of the king's name. Like, seek all of that first before yourself. And his righteousness. His righteousness is his right ways of living, not our own right ways of living. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is destruction. It's death. It's just total chaos. It's horrible. But seek the kingdom first. Seek his righteousness first. And everything that you want will be added unto you. And the way that that scripture reads, and I'm not real good with scripture, but <laughs> the way that I can discern it anyway, is the way that that scripture reads is that those things being added unto you are basically saying they will come find you. Like you won't have to go to them. Mm -hmm. They will be brought to you. Something that's added to you is placed on you without you really asking for it. So as you're seeking the kingdom first, as you're seeking his right ways of living, all of a sudden you'll turn around and realize that all of those things that are mentioned in the preceding verses, they're already there. You didn't have to go get them. Um, and then there, there's two words that um, is it, kind of poignant here in this home that were shared by um, the late Lloyd Hodges that have stuck with me, that he shared with his family, but then was shared with the church family. Um, that he said these two words... Um, among his last words, which were, remain faithful. Like, don't ever depart from that. And if you keep seeking the kingdom, and, really, and, and, and to do it in really practical ways, like realize seeking the kingdom isn't some impractical thing where it's like, am I praying enough? Am I reading the Bible enough? Am I fasting enough days? Like, seeking the kingdom is advancing the kingdom of God in his, in his name, the name of your king, in your daily life like in at your job, um, in your education, um, in your hobbies. Like God needs to be in that. We don't just kind of create little sections of our life and and where it's partially kingdom and partially not. It's every aspect of our life. So seeking that first every single day and, re, and, and recognizing that all the stuff that we're looking for, all the stuff that we want, that we truly want, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So everything that we want, you'll find it. You'll you'll and you'll look back and you'll say, "How did that get there? Like I didn't even have to go for that." It's because you're you're seeking his kingdom. And he says, "Well, okay, in that seeking, I'll just I'll set you up to success." That's the thing. God's not setting us up for failure. He's he's not. And people need to realize that as well. He might set you up to be broken every once in a while because because mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to be broken. Like I'm not saying you, but like <laughs> Like, yeah, we need that. Okay, but, but it's not failure. It makes us better. So that's that's probably the one best piece of advice that I've been given and that I would share because that's that's how we live our life. Well, thank you so much. That was the last question that I had for you. So thank you for taking the time and answering all of those. Well, thank you for coming up with so many great questions and hard questions, too. I thought, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, but like, I was like, oh, this is getting, <laughs> it's getting uncomfortable here. Getting, um, so with that, I do have one question for you, though. Okay, what is that? You, okay, the question is this. How can our listeners uh, help our podcast? That's a good question. That is a good question. The best way that not just a way but the best way our listeners can help this podcast is actually if they leave a review they tell us how we're doing that helps in a couple ways first of all we need some feedback we're we're kind of here doing this thing and it would help us to know what people think of it what what content would they like to hear more what are they enjoying 
Um, so that really would help us with that. And then also it helps to kind of get the word out there to other people about the podcast. If you enjoy this content, hopefully, hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> if you enjoy this content, then it helps other people hear about it too. When you leave a review and you let us know that you're enjoying it, that it's doing good, then it can put that on the on other people's radar. They're going to start seeing it in their suggested and their recommended podcast to listen to. So that would help us a lot. So then a couple questions then. Um, can we also maybe in some of those reviews have our listeners put in like requests, like requests of either content to see covered, maybe guests that they would like to have Absolutely. on there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would enjoy that. <laughs> and then and then and then they can maybe reach out to those guests and say and suggest to them, hey, you should be on this podcast. Absolutely. Oh, that'd be so cool. And maybe in if you leave a review, maybe do this also. And don't edit this out. <laughs> Promise? Okay. Okay, good. Okay. Um, if you would like to see this podcast reversed, where it's a <laughs> gotcha, <laughs> where it's a Q and A, where I sit down and ask um, very challenging but insightful questions to Savannah. If you would like to see that, throw that in the reviews because I would really love to do that, <laughs> and she would like that too. She just doesn't know it. Oh right, <clears throat> right. Yes, that would be very helpful. All right. Well, that's that's all for me then. Uh, please do that. And Savannah, I'll let you kind of take us out. All right. Thank you for listening to the Kingdoms Here podcast hosted by Nathan Kirk. We appreciate your feedback and leaving a rating and a review. Reviews help spread the word that the kingdom is here and allows others the opportunity to hear our content. Remember your allegiance to the king and his kingdom. And as always, we hope this was helpful.